Hello, listeners. Are you tired of having Alien Minute episodes only on weekdays? Are your Saturday mornings devoid of meaning without that trusty daily podcast popping up in your feed? Well, what if we told you there was a way to remedy your woes? All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash alien minute and subscribe to get a supplemental episode of your favorite daily podcast. You'll hear us talk about what movies we've been watching, answer listener emails, and talk about alien-related topics that didn't make it on the show. You'll also be able to play along with the Coppola Quadfecta. Don't know what that is? Well, then come on over to patreon.com forward slash alien minute, subscribe, listen to the weekly episode, and find out. Again, patreon.com forward slash alien minute. We'll see you on Saturdays. Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we're looking at Minute 45. It begins with Ripley saying, that's funny. What does it mean? And ends with her saying, that's a pretty big risk. Yeah, and it's Friday, so we got our last day with Crystal Beth, which makes me a little bit sad. But I'm sad. Yeah. Well, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's nice out. I like good weather. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a little a... a little tidbit about me. I love good weather. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I do, too. That's something that we have in common. Interesting. Look at that. I wish we talked about this at the top. Yeah, we should have. Maybe I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else there is to say about it, but <laughs> that's it. That's all. So this minute begins. We're right in the middle of Ash uh, sort of giving his evaluation of the alien to Ripley. And he ends that evaluation with asking her, is that enough for you? Ugh. Pretty dismissive there. I was saving this for this minute, but we were talking, I was talking a little bit about his sort of change in tone mid-explanation, but this is just downright snarky right here. Yeah. What a jerk. Yeah. But then she says, what does it mean, right? Yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm all backwards here. Um, yeah. She says. No, That's, she says, what does it mean? He responds and then says, is that enough for you? Oh, is that, that enough? After he says, a tough little son of a bitch. That's it. That's what yeah. I'm That's missing. Right. So that's funny. What does it mean? It means he's a tough little son of a bitch. Is that enough for you? Okay, there we right. are. So, yeah. So, and at that point, we finally cut to a shot of Ripley's face. And that's like two minutes and 15 seconds. This has been sustained around the room on Ash, with her on frame right, and finally we cut, which is interesting because I think, as Crystal said yesterday, now we're going to, she's going to lower the boom on him, and we get to do that by giving her a, you know, a good good close-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a face slap cut. It's like a hard cut as she's like, boom, hitting him with this question, or I guess it's a question, a, a remark. And you let him in. And now we know, you know, what she's really here to talk about. That maybe yeah. Ash already knew that that's what she was there to talk about. But, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice boom drop, like you said, Chris. Yeah, I think he knew. I think he knew what she was coming to talk about. Hence that little stretch you were talking about in yesterday's episode. Oh, God. Oh, so, so tired. <laughs> well, it's a gutsy move Working on, on the part stuff. of the director, you know, to sort of say, I know who's going to drive this scene. And, of course, she's going to become our protagonist. We don't know that yet. But I'm still mm-hmm. not going to show you her face for two and a half minutes almost. I also like the little bits, um, like when Ripley goes to do, 
like to reach her hand forward and he's like, don't touch that. Yeah. That's don't touch that. Don't do that. And very, and she very soft with a very soft voice. She apologizes. I'm sorry. She's sorry, acting. I'm weak. I'm a girl. It's fake politeness. It's probably mm-hmm. you're, like you're saying, feigning a little feminine weakness to play into, you know, to, I think she's, she's definitely building up for this boom drop. thing. Yep. So oh, and I love it. But we also, we learned something uh, new here, uh, somewhat new. We've gotten the idea, uh, Crystal, we've talked about in previous minutes, that they only kind of slowly reveal Ripley's place in the org chart on the ship. At first, it seems like she might just be what Ahura was to the Enterprise, just the communications officer. She just seems to be making calls to traffic control and things like that. But then we see that maybe she, you know, she's the boss of the maintenance crew. And mm-hmm. as we go along, and she clearly had, you know, some decision-making power when the when the away team was out and wanting to get back in with Kane and the alien. But now mm-hmm. she flat out states that when Kane and Dallas are off the ship, she's in charge. Now we're a hundred percent positive she's third on the org chart. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that they, how far we're forty-five minutes into the movie, Mitch. Here we are at that forty-five minute point, and we finally find out where our protagonist stands as far as her authority on the ship. Yeah. Knowing she's the protagonist again, like we've said already, but I think that's an interesting moment there. Yeah, it makes me wonder yeah. if this movie were made today, would there be some studio exec saying, you know, we really need to spell all of that out right at the beginning of the story. Oh, probably. With, with like a little legend at the bottom or whatever saying, you know, Lieutenant Ripley. <laughs> Warrant officer, third in charge. Like, right, the first time you see her on the screen or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. The little, the digital letters are like. Yeah. <laughs> in the Andromeda strain font, the futuristic right. oh, font. God. Future, yep. future computer font, you know. I, so, I like how they do that. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed uh, how they introduced her uh, rank on the ship like that where she's like by the way i'm in charge and it kind of was a setup for more to come where as things go on who she'll be in charge of the most uh don't want to give away minutes because we're not there yet but when something happens we'll know where everybody stands right yeah well i think that yeah again to tease further future minutes i think it's also we know now that kane kane is out of the picture for the moment he's incapacitated. So that makes her the XO of the ship at this moment in time, which I think Mm -hmm. we, I think we kind of do need to know that for sure, because maybe it would be difficult to read her placement in later scenes. If you're not already aware that she's the protagonist, unless you know that she's the second command and is right hand to Dallas from Mm -hmm. this point until, yeah, I think it sets up the next scene. That's why it's here because we really need to understand the hierarchy when we get the argument that's going to happen in the next scene, next minute. Yeah. So Ash is, uh, Ash is writing something as he's talking to her. You guys, do you guys notice he had a little pad and pen? Mm -hmm. What's he doing? What's he writing? And why? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, it sounds like a silly question, but I think there's a, I think there's something behind this, or at least a question to be asked. Um, is he writing, you know, uh, feigning to be writing his findings that he just uh, he just collated, as he says, from the from the research he was just doing, or is this another one of those humanizing factors? Obviously, you can assume that Ash doesn't have to write things down, right? He doesn't really have to do that. He's, yeah. 
he can remember whatever information he receives. Uh, is this just part of the con uh, that he's throwing out there to the crew? He does things like right, and uh, he's doing it right in front of, of Ripley because he senses suspicious suspicion from her. So part of the maintaining the con uh, that he uh, is human is I'm wondering little if he's, things like that. I was going to say, I was wondering if he's programmed to act as human as possible with, again, those little neuroses we were talking about before. I think that he, I think it's a programming personally that they wanted him to look as human as possible, but he doesn't realize he's doing it in Star Trek. They do a lot of paperwork all the time and I absolutely love it. They're constantly signing off on papers and like writing out stuff. And I wonder if they have to do paperwork for everything they do. So maybe even if he is Android, he has to be writing to be able to put in documents to keep track of everything that's happening on the ship. I thought yeah. it was maybe a memoir. Yeah. Just like a little diary entry. My, li that was, yeah. that's my life, my life on the Nostromo by Ash. And you know, it, he dates it and this is Ripley's at me again. She just won't stay off my back. Dear yeah. diary. Yes. Lambert Dear won't diary. stop diary. complaining. <laughs> oh, Lambert. Uh, yeah. We didn't get any Lambert crystal for you. God. <laughs> uh, I wanted to. I would love. I was trying to get in the conversation with you guys the other day, Mitch. We were when she was playing the game. We were talking a little bit about Lambert through the chat room, and uh, they're not fans. They're not fans no. of Lambert over there. I'm cold. Like, uh, I'm tired. I, she's like, I like griping. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Stop acting like how we don't want women to act in movies. <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, I'm cold. I'm tired. I'm scared. I'm crying. I'm smoking. It's just her a whole life. <laughs> I like to gripe. I don't like listening to you gripe. Kill Ash, her faster, Ash is alien. secretly in love with Lambert. That's what I think. Oh, God. Is, is that part of his diary I entry? think it's part of the diary. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's something about me. It wants to protect her. She has too many human emotions. And he doesn't have any. So he's like, I'm interested in that. She right. completes me. If they did an if they did an odd couple, uh, alien universe odd couple, I guess it would be Ash and Ash and Lambert. One's yeah. human, one's too human, one's not enough human. <laughs> uh, well, this so I, I was kind of getting at a question here, um, and this is extremely speculative and will probably be scoffed at and dismissed by many. But my question is, you know, he's writing, he does all these little human things we talk about. It's probably in his program to act as human as possible. But the question I want to raise is, does he know that he's an android? Or is he programmed to think he's a human? And it's something that's never occurred to me before. He could be programmed to act human. He could be programmed to be 100% loyal to the company and to take all his orders from Mother, despite um, anybody else's you know, uh, interaction with him. But he does he have maybe a little block in his programming that doesn't let him know that he's actually an android? So he's like a a Cylon. Right. In Battlestar Galactica. So he's one of the sleeper agents that doesn't know what he's doing. And then all of a sudden it clicks when his life is threatened. It turns on or something. Or I don't when, know. When you knock his head off. That yeah. That would just like completely <laughs> scramble his programming. But, I didn't want to give away minutes, you oh, know. No, it's okay. We we 
we go forward. We, for the sake of the discussion, we don't pretend like we don't know things. On the our okay. format's just a little different. Um, well, I, I mean, I was thinking about another Ridley Scott movie and the Rachel character from Blade Runner, and her oh, yeah. her, her her not being aware. But to me, that's the perfect spy. That's the Manchurian Candidate. That's the like you said the sleep. I didn't think about Battlestar Galactica, but the sleeper Cylons. The best spy is the one that doesn't know they're a spy, but can still fu function the way you want them to. Yep. So I'm just throwing that question out there because otherwise he is consciously constantly running this long con. And yeah. that seems complicated. And it seems like, I guess he's a computer. He could probably do it. He's probably the best con man if programmed to do so. He's the best con man you can imagine. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, it just throws that. I'm just throwing that question out there. It probably is dispelled. You could probably assume it's dispelled when he comes to his, you know, we come to the point where we find out he's an android. Yeah, or it could be when, uh, yeah, like when we find out, and it could be that he's was only, he was not aware up until the point when they found the alien, and then there was programming into his, like the programming was like, oh, when you find something weird or this thing that we're looking for, we're going to turn you back on again, and you're going to be aware of what we want from you. So maybe for the first, like, first half of the journey he was not under the influence of his uh, he was under the influence of his programming and then as time went on and things started getting more real more and more things clicked into place for him or something like that yeah. which would be cool to have can't ask he does get to give the false argument a good argument when he says what would you have done with kane you know he had no chance of survival unless we got him in here and at least that's a human argument you know whether you like it yeah. or not whether he broke the rules or not so Mitch Crystal saw the movie in 1979 without any thing, any prior knowledge other than what publicity had told him about the movie. So I mean, at this point, Ash is just a sketchy enough character, I guess, that you're probably not on his side. But when these arguments are made, they are the human argument. They're the like we talked about. She seems seems to be the one making the Spock arguments, the straight logic, um, despite the humanity and question as far as like letting Kane onto the ship and so on. So, Mitch, when you were watching this, though, you were were you already suspicious of Ash or, or were you kind of like, yeah, this is a good argument? Well, a couple of responses, I guess. Um, he's English, right? And yeah. John Hurt's English. So we have two fellow Englishmen on board the ship. But <laughs> he's kind of the Donald Pleasance from Fantastic Voyage or, you know, there's always that one guy in the group that's like, why did they bring him along? Oh, no, he's going to screw everything up. So. It might simply have been the hubris of the scientist wanting to preserve the alien. You think of that guy in the thing, the scientist who runs up to the thing in the old in the old version, runs up to mm -hmm. James Arness and says, "You're greater than us. You are wiser than us. Be our friend." And then the <laughs> thing breaks him in half or whatever. So he, that's the trope. I mean that he's the he's the slightly non-trustworthy scientist who puts science above everything else and we we've seen that since the 50s. So it was. It felt in line, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't have anything else. Yeah, I think that's. Oh, I do have something about uh, when Ripley's having this discussion with him. She's so level-headed, and that's a sentiment to her. Be probably being a very good leader, uh, being able to just keep her voice calm and not. I would have lost my mind at him. I'd be like, "Why did you open the door? Why did you do that? Now we're gonna die." And I would be not nice. And I just, I wanted to say that. I just think that she's pretty cool for that. 
Right. In previous minutes, we've talked about this a little bit, even this week, that Dallas is such a cool customer for the first you know half hour of the movie. She's starting to take her place as the coolest customer on the ship. I think she's the one. She doesn't complain about just having to do too much work or anything like the maintenance guys, the engineers. She doesn't bark at people and lose her cool. She, obviously not to the level of Lambert, but not even to the level of Dallas. Uh, Kane's incapacitated at this point. So between her and Ash, they're the only two cool customers left on the ship, which makes yeah. for an interesting power dynamic. Now they're the ones, they're kind of the ones playing the chess game, playing the power game on the ship. Even though Dallas is the captain, I think they're slowly moving him. Uh, he's moving down in my estimation a little bit as he seems to be unraveling, but she certainly is not. She seems to be taking this in stride and, and she's business like at all times, even when she's mad, she's cool about it. So yeah, I, I, I think this is part of the slow progression of her as protagonist. She's starting to slide into that position. It's not something they're going to just gear shift us into later, but they're get they're moving us there piece by piece. Yeah. I like it. Oh, yeah. Such a good movie. Well, I guess that's going to do it for Minute 45. Uh, Crystal, you want to remind everybody one last time where they can find you? Yes, definitely. First, thank you for having me like that. This was a joy. I'm so happy to do this with you guys. You're great. This is funny. Uh, yes, and if you want to follow me, I am at Beth for Twitter. And if you want to watch me play video games, it's twitch.tv slash Ms. Sparkle Diamond. If you'd like to check out my video game podcast, it's Unlimited Lives through CaveComedyRadio.com. And you can watch us on Twitch and listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Okay, you can find us at AlienMinute.com or subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can also follow us on Twitter at AlienMinutePod or come over to our Facebook page and tell us what we're doing wrong. All right, we'll see you next week for Minute number 46.